brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. When you change your floor, it changes the whole room. Right now, save more on the floor of your dreams from LL Flooring. Save up to $500 on top of our already low prices. With a purchase of $1,500 or more, you'll receive a digital Visa gift card rebate. Visit llcashback.com for details. Choose from our selection of quality floors and get special financing. Lumber Liquidators is now LL Flooring. These are the floors homes are built on. Listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Spring will be here soon, so if buying a new home is on your to-do list, right now is the time to call Quicken Loans. Learn about which mortgage options make sense for you and get a jump on your competition. With our exclusive rate shield approval, the low rate you lock today is protected for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. With a rate shield approval, if rates go up, your low rate stays locked. But if rates go down, you get that new, even lower rate. Either way, you win. Talk to us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com to take advantage. Here's another great reason to work with us. For a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Again, to lock in today's low mortgage interest rate and get the security of our exclusive rate shield approval, call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Thoughts of suicide may feel impossible to overcome. But with help and support, you can find hope and meaning. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK to speak to a counselor or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. It's free. It's confidential. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And even if it feels like it, you're not alone. Join in every two weeks for your break from the political talk and get some entertainment news on your platter as a distraction. Ordy Packard and Brad Slager get together every fortnight to go over some of the newest information coming out in the entertainment complex. So whether it's movies, television, streaming, even publication, maybe even cocktails, they will cover it and guide you through the newer offerings and your entertainment options for the coming weekend. So... Every two weeks, join us here at KLRN on The Culture Shift. I'm Little Teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spout. No, nah, like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pour me out. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. 
Hello, welcome to another Bleeping Podcast, the official podcast headquarters for Yeezy 2020. I'm this week's campaign <laughs> manager, Dawn, and with me is our communications director, Sean. How are you, sir? Hey there, Dawn. How's it going? Uh, yeah, uh, once again, you know, things are spinning round and round and the world goes on despite all the craziness, but uh, here we are. I think I might be getting on the Yeezy train. I don't know. <laughs> See how this goes. I mean, you know, it's can only make things more interesting right and and you know the the thing the thing that i thought first when i saw that was it is in essence i guess what what you know some people are kind of complaining that oh well it's just a gimmick to siphon votes and this and that but that did cross my mind but i just i thought about it and kind of a chuckly kind of oh well wait a minute well it, it could do that knowing that there'd be complications regarding him running anyway but it's uh it's a wild, wild world we're in these days, either way. I mean, it's it's 2020. It, there's it, what else could possibly? Happen? Oh, don't ask, don't ask. <laughs> it, it will happen. Well, what's funny is too is uh, you know I've had my ongoing joke about the 2020 uh, apocalypse bingo card, but also I took Saturday off of Twitter completely, and that's really the first time where I was like really not even checking it at all for quite a while and then that's what happens so i i actually feel like because i'm responsible for kanye's run for president <laughs> i gotta get on board <laughs> you gotta make you gotta you gotta uh you gotta atone for your uh for what you have wrought upon us all so i suppose right. it's, it's my right right definitely it's, <laughs> that's that's how i look at it so Honestly, if uh, if our guest tonight was eligible, I'd be on that train. But because oh, he's no not going to be eligible to be our president, I you know I'll I'll uh, have to have to settle. But uh, maybe I think we one just, day though, maybe, maybe one day, maybe. But we'll, maybe. we can talk about that later. <laughs> we'll have to get his opinion on that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, without further ado, we're going to bring on our guest for tonight. It's uh, he's an author, he's a podcaster, he's a rapper. I consider him a fitness guru. I like what he's doing with that kind of personal journey. And he's also a women's powerlifting champ. And, of course, if you follow the news and culture at all, you know we're talking about Zuby. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, how's it going? Doing well, doing well. Thank you so yeah, much for going, joining Zuby? us. Yeah, very well. Yeah, no, happy to be here. Happy to be here. Yeah, and just to be clear, if you were eligible to be our president, I would campaign for you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, I was uh, born in the wrong country and wrong citizenship, though, so. <laughs> That's too funny. Sean and I were talking about that before we started. I know that, um, you know, you kind of straddle the world, uh, <laughs> at least between Britain and the United States. You keep an awful lot of, uh, of you know, keep tabs on all that. But I know Sean himself was kind of asked, wondering about some of your background. So I think he's got a question for you on that. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, man, I was just kind of uh, wondering because I know, like, for my family, I'm 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 Nigerian-born. I'm an American citizen now, so we kind of mm -hmm. have that familiar background. But I was just wondering, like, what, you know, I, and I know that you kind of grew up in Saudi Arabia. I know that story a bit and, and everything. But I was just wondering kind of, like, as in general, the experience that you've had kind of straddling both worlds, kind of going from Nigeria, the culture, and 
you know how it is with moms and Nigerian moms and pops and all that, and then moving to Britain and how the transition is for Nigerian to Brits or just that immigration journey kind of, uh, and how, 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 how playing both worlds, you know what I'm saying? Both sides, mm, not, mm. you know, how, how, how that's kind of, kind of worked out for you and your experience through all that. Yeah, I hear you, man. So with me, myself, I mean, I was born in the UK. Um, I never actually lived in Nigeria. So we moved okay. to Saudi Arabia when I was a baby, when I was just one year, one year old. So for me personally, the only real sort of transition, I guess, was from Saudi to the UK. So okay. I went to, I actually went to boarding school from the age of 11. And then I was back and forth between the two countries throughout my entire teen years. And then up until I finished university and then um, moved to the UK permanently about 12 years ago. So, I mean, it's been interesting. I, I, I mean, the four cultures and nations I've had the most exposure to, I guess, would be the UK, um, Saudi Arabia, the US because of the American school system in Saudi, and then, of course, Nigeria. So it's definitely given me an interesting perspective on a lot of things. I find that I just view the world and a lot of different issues, whether they be social, political, cultural, etc. I've just got a different viewpoint from a lot of people. And I've also got an ability to understand viewpoints that a lot of people cannot. So, for example, a lot of people in the UK really struggle to understand certain things even about the US. So if you take stuff like um, even the, the First Amendment or specifically the Second Amendment, right? People in the UK don't understand the Second Amendment at all. Probably only a very tiny minority of people can even fathom the idea that guns are like legal and that there's a right to them. Like people in the UK, people in Europe just don't get it. But I totally understand stuff like that. People generally in the West really don't understand Saudi Arabia, right? They look at it and they think, oh, my gosh, everything is backwards. It's crazy. It's oppressive. It's horrible. You know, that's the only side of it that they can see. And, and people generally can't understand why things are the way they are or how anything works, et cetera. They can't sort of see it from that. They can't get out of that Western lens. They view everything through that world. And I can do that, but I can also view it in different ways, right? I can... I can view the West through uh, the lens that someone from Saudi Arabia might, and the West looks just as crazy by comparison. So some people like to deride that as some kind of cultural relativism, which isn't really a good point to me. But I think it's valuable to be able to understand that, you know, just different societies and cultures and nations and the fact that there's not just one way of doing things or one way of structuring society you know, from the top to the bottom, from the from the family level to the governmental federal level, there are lots of different ways that things can be done and there are pros and cons to all of it. So I think it's really helped to shape my perspective and understanding in that regard. And I think that's why people find my voice to be quite unique and interesting in a lot of these conversations, because I tend to come at things from a from a different angle. Well, that was a great response, but I, I really appreciate that because, I mean, I, I definitely feel that to a degree, even though, you know, I haven't kind of been exposed to necessarily as many because for me, it's just mainly America and Nigeria, you mm -hmm. know, being born there and then raised here and then going back. And then, you know, so I've kind of been thrust back and forth between both cultures. But, you know, you, you do see that people tend to have an appreciation for the fact that you can come from 
both different, you know, different sides and be able to empathize or sympathize or have a conversation based on the different experiences that you have had there. Um, because when you think about it in America, unfortunately, you know, you have, um, fortunately and unfortunately, however you want to look at it, you have people that are maybe slightly a bit monolithic because this is all they know so that when things externally kind of come in and kind of present their view, it's a little bit shocking. But when you have had that shock absorber that mm -hmm. is interacting with those other cultures, that does allow for a little bit more softening and, and open earedness uh, for individuals. So uh, that, that, that to me was the thing that just kind of drew me in the most about, you know, just kind of seeing that you've been through all that, but yet through all those systems, you've maintained almost uh, to me a very level head and understanding that, you know, what freedom is, is paramount. Mm -hmm. And uh, how, how would you say that in contrast to like you were talking about the second amendment, the first amendment, and then Brits looking across the pond, looking in America saying, well, you know what, uh, I can't believe people just allowed to, like, what is it, is it really that ingrained within the system to where, you know, things that they find, in essence, bewildering about us, it's, it's so sewed into the core of the individuals there, or are there people that, you know, you look, you talk about Brexit, you know, let's say, and, and, and Brexit, and so on and so forth, mm -hmm. do you, do you see within them a yearning to want to kind of be a bit more like America or is it just kind of like uh, they still are a little bit kind of taken aback uh, with the contrast in the two nations to a degree? Yeah. Um, I think it's more the former. Um, oh, sorry. No, I think it's more the latter. Um, okay. I mean, a, a lot of people in the UK, especially people who haven't been to the U S and haven't spent a lot of time there. Um, I, I think a, a lot of people in the UK are actually very pretty critical about the U.S. in many in many ways, um, and in some ways which I think are pretty naive, if not just straight up ignorant, because they just don't understand. They just don't understand the cult, the country, and I think a part of this stems from. Like, look, I have an idea that the the U.K. and the U.S. are more different than people think. I think that because we all speak the same language, because everyone speaks English, and that there is some shared common history. I think that there's this sort of assumption that the UK and US are, you know, very, very similar countries culturally and even politically. And the truth is that they're not like they're, there's an overlap. There are certain things that are common. But I would say that the UK is more similar to many other European countries, despite the language barrier it may have with them than it is to the US. Um, and I think if the I think if we spoke different languages, that would be a lot more obvious um, but if, if you kind of if you kind of go into it in the culture, I mean, of course, in the in the U.S., it's a huge country, You've got a lot of different cultures, especially depending on what state or what city even that you're in. So being in San Francisco is really different to being in, I don't know, Fort Worth, Texas, and, uh, you know, which is very different to being in Atlanta, which is really different to being in New York City. Um, but, yeah, I think that. There are certain there are certain issues. I use the Second Amendment one because it's probably the most obvious in terms of ones where it's just like the views are almost opposite. Right. The views are totally opposite. I mean, I don't know if you saw like Piers Morgan the other day tweeted something about, you know, sort of lamenting the fact that gun sales this year are on track to be the highest that they've ever been. And he was, you know, he was very clearly upset and saddened about that. 
And funnily enough, I actually responded to it saying, uh, good, the Second Amendment, the need for the Second Amendment has never been more obvious. No and doubt. my my response got almost as many likes. Like I think his tweet got like thirty thousand likes. I think my response got like twenty five thousand or something. And oh, awesome. th- if you just look at those two tweets, actually, that's like a perfect example of the total difference in the way those issues are issues are sort of viewed. And sure, there are people in America who may be more um of his stance, but almost everyone in the UK, for example, vast majority of people in the UK would totally agree with him on that. Right. They'd just be like, this is crazy. What are they doing? Just ban the guns, get rid of them. Like, what are these crazy Americans doing? You know, they don't really think about it much deeper beyond that. Um, whereas with myself, like I said, you know, I went to I went I was in the American schooling system up until fifth grade. I learned about American history. I know lots of American people. I'm, and the Americans that I know do tend to be very pro two way as well. A lot of them. So it's like I can understand both sides. Like I, I can I can totally understand why a British person would look at the U.S. or, you know, not even just a British person. I can understand why any European or people from a lot of places in the world would look at the U.S. gun laws and stuff like that and just be like, oh, my gosh, like, what's going on? These people are crazy. Why Why do you have an AR-15? Um, but I can also I, I can just like sort of shift gears. You know, I can I can change the lens that I'm looking through to understand all of the different sides. And it's not necessarily sure I have my own opinions and my own biases and my own leanings on lots of different issues but i can generally empathize with all of them without just thinking that it's rooted in you know a lot of people if they don't understand a perspective they just like to say that it's it's stupid or it's backwards or it's um this or it's that right they just sort of disparage it without really really trying to understand okay why is it like that and without sort of totally accounting for history and culture and all of these different things where you can't just sort of flick a switch and 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 change the way things are right you it's um the example i like to give for example especially here in the uk is say so i grew up in saudi arabia right where right. alcohol alcohol is illegal in saudi arabia right dry country no alcohol okay right. alcohol is one of the biggest sort of direct causes and also aggravating factors in a huge amount of social problems in the modern Western world, right? Undeniable, right? right? Alcohol causes a huge amount of problems. And in the UK, you know, the UK is one of the most highest binge drinking cultures, if not the biggest in the entire world. And you can go out on any weekend, um, you know, pre-COVID anyway, um, to any, any UK city, and you can very clearly see the problems that are caused by alcohol, let alone the ones that are a bit more subtle. So why don't we just ban alcohol, right? And that suggestion would appall most British people, right? The idea that you'd ban alcohol. But again, from a logic, I, I, and, and so I often use that as an example for people here who really don't get it. And it's like, look, the reason why you're so opposed to it is because you're used to that. You've grown up with it. It's ingrained in the culture. It's ingrained in the history, et cetera. So yeah, of course, because people are like, oh, well, if there's more guns, there's going to be more gun violence. It's like, yeah, of course, you know, if more people have swimming pools, more people are going to drown. I understand that. But it's not as simple as just, you know, snapping your fingers and getting rid of something that has some potential downsides and potential upsides as well. Um, it's much deeper rooted than that. So I try to sort of frame these things in a way that perhaps the person can understand it and then sort of rethink their own situation because I can be like, hey, you know, in Saudi Arabia, 
they don't have all these problems because they just they just go banned alcohol. And so, you know, you don't have to worry about drunk driving. You don't have to worry about all these social ills. You don't have to worry about people fighting because they're drunk, people, you know, dying of alcohol poisoning, liver, you know, cirrhosis, all these kind of things. It's like, they don't worry about that. Yeah. Addiction, homelessness. Exactly. Exactly. But it's, it comes back down to that thing, right? Freedom. So sure. The, the view with the way people view freedom and Liberty differs from country to country. But I think most people here would be like, yeah, well, we don't ban cigarettes and we don't ban alcohol because adults should be able to make those choices for themselves. And I agree with that. Um, And, yeah, I would also extend that, in my personal opinion, to the Second Amendment. Right. It doesn't mean I'm sort of being being pro Second Amendment doesn't mean you're pro shooting people. Right. right. <laughs> so it doesn't, that's not, you know, people try to frame it that way, but it's like, look, exactly, it's, exactly. Yeah. They try to frame it that way. And it's like, no, no, not at all. Hey, look, yeah. you know what? Speaking of, you know, you, you were talking about being able to see things through those varying lenses, you know what I'm saying? And in all honesty, that's part of the thing that also that I've come, come to learn and appreciate about you because the lenses became really focused on you at one point to the point where, you know, what I mean, dude, hey, look fanboy in here you know what i'm saying you was on joe rogan i think you were on tucker at one point you won bit but you you uh and look I, i'll i'll concede the uh the mic to dawn because she is more the uh the uh workout kind of warrior kind of yeah. in this uh in this duo you know what i'm saying but uh something to do with uh i believe deadlifting and weights or, or something like that and, <laughs> and kind of making a little uh slight political commentary on it you know what i'm saying that kind of caught the world by storm uh dawn if you want to go ahead and then and uh and uh, uh, ask him about that or, or, or whatever question it was that you had. Uh, what was yours, ma'am? Yeah, I've been – I'm just uh, so enthralled in what you were talking about. I was kind of stopped even worrying about whether I got these questions in. It was a really interesting perspective, Zuby. Uh I think probably a lot of our listeners know that about that aspect of uh, the, the point you made about uh, female body building and powerlifting – uh, record, but if you would please regale us with that story, I think if any of our <laughs> listeners don't already know it, it's uh, one for the ages. Okay, sure. Yeah, that's quite the quite the internet moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, so going back, this is uh, from February 2019. I posted a video of me doing a 230 kilo deadlift, which is a 500 and something pounds, and um, I just captioned it with. It was a nine second video, and I captioned it with something along the lines of. I keep hearing about how biological men have no strength advantage over women in 2019. So watch me destroy the British women's deadlift record without trying. P.S. I identified as a woman whilst lifting the weight. Don't be a bigot. And um, I just that's tweeted awesome, this out. Man. Yeah, that served a lot of purposes awesome. right there. <laughs> I, I didn't think that much of it when I tweeted it. I mean, I, I had 19,000 followers at the time, and I thought, okay, you know, some people will enjoy this, and it'll it'll get some laughs and whatever. And very quickly, I realized that um, I had severely underestimated how just how far this thing was going to go. Um, the tweet has over it's done over 10 million impressions now on Twitter alone, like 2.8 million views. And yeah, yeah awesome. it, w- it went it went super international. It was covered on um, you mentioned you know, Joe Rogan talked about it. It was on um, like national TV here in the UK. It was on TV in the US and Australia, Canada. The, the thing just went bananas. It just went totally insane. And it w- ended up being the catalyst for me in many ways because I've been putting in a lot of work over the past, over the past 15 years, really. And 
although then and that a lot of people discovered me through that video and through that tweet but then a lot of people sort of discovered the man behind it and everything else that I'm doing through my music and my podcast and um you know my views on things and my videos etc so rather than just that tweet going viral I myself kind of went viral and I was able to parlay that into a lot of different opportunities um towards the end of last year I spent 9 weeks out in the states I got invited to the White House multiple times did some of the biggest wow. shows in the world got invited to the Pentagon just things just have grown like crazy I mean just on I mean in the past year I I don't even know by how many multiples but just on Twitter for example I mean like I said before I tweeted that I had 19,000 followers and I'm now on track to hit 300,000 within the next two weeks probably so yeah, you're getting pretty close I looked at that yeah so it's just been it's just been crazy it's just been crazy Well what I think is great about that too is I feel like you were already a renaissance man you already had a lot of these things going but sometimes you just need that you need to light that match and mm-hmm. that really got you in front of a lot of other people because you've been doing you have been a workout enthusiast yourself but you also have branched out and you you give advice I know you have an ebook and um how long have you been involved with that and I'm so sorry that your gyms are still not open Oh my <laughs> gosh it's unbelievable <laughs> Actually it's actually unbelievable seriously um But yeah, uh so I I got into fitness around the I started lifting, I got into bodybuilding around the age of 15. So I actually used to play rugby. I played rugby throughout school from I played it through school and also in university. So I started training when I was about 15, just lifting weights to to get stronger, get in better shape, etc., primarily for rugby. And then um yeah, it's something that I just kept doing and got got better at and kept learning and trying new things stuff that worked, stuff that didn't work, you know, in terms of nutrition, training, etc. And um yeah, I I I kind of so I wrote and released my first book, Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. I wrote and released that, I think it was May 2019. And um honestly, writing that book was one of the best decisions of my life. It's now sold um, you know, sold a few thousand copies now and it's helping a lot of people all over the world. So I essentially wanted to put together a concise guide for beginners and intermediates to, you know, boil away the nonsense and to just put the stuff that I feel is really important for people to know rather than getting lost in all of the, you know, nitty-gritty unnecessary details that 90% of people, you know, just doesn't really matter. So, I wanted to I I basically wrote the book that I wish someone gave me when I was 15. and um yeah it's uh it's helping a lot of people so i'm very very pleased with that yeah that's great because i well and i'm i am in the fitness industry and i'll tell you there's a lot of noise in it there's a lot of yes. bad bad mm-hmm. uh workouts bad diets but you know just the latest thing to try to get clicks and make a quick dollar or pound and you know people don't necessarily those people don't always have the best of intentions. I think true trainers do for the most part, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of people trying to get in on that. So it it's great that you kind of had a concise Yeah. Know, I I have down a theory. The details. Yeah, and like I I have a, have here's an idea. I've got a little theory which is that once you attach the word industry to anything, then it <laughs> then it becomes shady. Yeah. So you can take anything that's good, but if you attach the word industry, then you need to look out. So that could be music that could be food that could be fitness whatever it is once you add the industry part then the motive changes right there's that profit incentive you draw in certain types of people who might be 
charlatans or who are just out to, you know, scam people or make a quick buck or delude people or whatever it is. And yeah, I just wanted to create something that's the antithesis of all that, right? Once people buy my book, it's like, you know, there's not an upsell there. I just want you to get the book. And um, I hope that that's got enough at least to get people off to a very strong start. So that's the way I look at it. I, I wanted to cut through that nonsense. Very good. Well, and I think the other area we have to hit on is your music. And I actually truly have been listening to some of it lately. And uh, I tagged you on Twitter because I did a run for the first time in a while because of extenuating oh, yeah. circumstances. And I did. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to put on Spotify and shuffle it. And there's some good stuff there. Is that uh, something I know you've been doing that for quite a while, but do you find that your music still kind of helps you escape all the seriousness and, you know, paying attention to politics so much, although some of it does feature politics or political viewpoints, but is that kind of still a sanctuary for you? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, look, I, I've, for the past year, to be honest, music has kind of been on the back burner for me because 2019 was just a bonkers year. Like I, I just, I put out an album at the beginning of the year and then like I said, that tweet took off in February and stuff just I just started getting pulled into all these directions, into all these new worlds, connecting with all these different people, et cetera. So last year was just like, look, I'm just going to keep going and growing, keep taking all these opportunities, et cetera, just keep growing the audience. And then um, as of the last couple of weeks, I'm getting back into a zone where it's like, OK, a few months from now, I definitely want to sort of hunker down and write a whole bunch of new songs and get to work on new albums so that I can drop something new, hopefully at the early, early next year in terms of an entire project. So, um, yeah, no music, uh, you know, it, this has just given me ammunition right? I've got so much stuff that I can talk about now. So much stuff that's to, on my mind and have um, to get yeah. it written down at some point. <laughs> exactly. Um, in, in regards to your music, like what, 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 would you say like more informed you in terms of kind of like what you used to do before compared to, like you said, you have so much more of a wealth of information right now to, uh, that you're probably going to apply to it. Um, is it going to be something that straddles, um, more, more of a, of a, I mean, and I know music in general, you know, yeah, you get a message from it, but some of it is just, you know, to kind of, and this is kind of anesthetize you and just kind of give you that escape. But like, do you, do you think that there's going to be like more of a serious kind of side or is it going to be a blend or, you know, like mm. you said, what, what's, what do you feel like maybe is going to inform it more than maybe in previous years? That's a, it's a good question. I would just say that, look, I feel like in the past 18 months, I've kind of gained five years worth of experience. So my music has always been, you know, fairly personal. I've always put my own sort of ideas and philosophies and motivational messages and stuff like that in there from the very beginning. And that'll still be there. What I do want to do is sort of incorporate some of the different angles. I, I think over the last 18 months, I've really learned what it is that people like about me and like about my message and what it is that draws people in. So I want to sort of tie that into the music more. So I know people really value my authenticity and willing to speak on certain things that other people won't, my ability, my openness to share certain opinions and views, et cetera. So I don't consider myself like a, a you know, I'm certainly not a political rapper and I'm more interested in sort of like social commentary and just talking about what's going on, sharing my ideas, my mindset values, stuff like that. So I've always done that in my music, but I think that 
I'll be able to just tap into that on a whole different level now. And it'll naturally hit way more people as well, because since my last album came out, you know, I don't know. I don't know a hundred times as many people have heard about me now. So I'm very aware that I want to make sure that, you know, the next project is going to bring a lot of those people into the fold of my music itself. Yeah, man. I mean, well, I, I think you're in. I was no, going to say, go I think ahead. your interim single, OK, Dude, really mm. kind of encapsulates all of that. So that yeah, exactly. You exactly. got that until you come out with another album. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There'll probably be another, another, <laughs> another, another single or two later on this year prior to an album. But um, yeah, okay, dude, that was exactly what I was trying to do in that song. It was like, okay, I get it. Okay, this is, um, I'm going to just kick things up a notch, it, like peel back another layer and give people more of that. And a lot of people said it's one of my best songs to date. So yeah, that sort of vein is um, more what I'm going to be tapping into, I think. I, I would hear, love to hear more of the same. Very good. Sean, did you have something else? I'm sorry. I didn't think I cut um, you off there. Oh no, it's it's all good. Didn't you end up getting maybe suspended or banned or something like that from Twitter for for something regarding that? Like, okay, dude, or something. I mean, or or maybe I'm mis. Uh, no, you're right. You're right. No, you're totally right. I I said okay, dude, and I got suspended. Quite literally. What? I mean, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what what do you think of the? You know, I mean, because there's this kind of kind of mindset or belief out there that that you know social media platforms are um quite biased and uh kind of you know tend to target people with 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 certain beliefs than others uh i mean and i'll 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 say this you know for instance you know me as as you know as a actual african american you know what i'm saying originally been being born in nigeria but i'll just i'll go with the black you know what i'm saying as a brother you know what i'm saying all this time I've been on Twitter and all of a sudden it's like you get all these kind of disgusting little commentary from people that don't believe the same way that you do. And they kind of get, they think that it's open season. It's kind of hunting season on you, you know, <laughs> and they just go at you left and right with every derogatory term or what they yeah. think is derogatory. But you find that there's a sense that those individuals are allowed to linger and in essence, quote unquote, spew their you know, version of hate, which they think is is somehow doing good for 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 African Americans or mm -hmm. or for blacks or just people in general. Because whoa, I'm so woke, you know. And then the individuals that are, you know, that are doing that, they're allowed to stay on. But then you know, something as simple as "Okay, dude," mm -hmm. gets you booted. You know what I'm saying? I mean, can, do you, you do you care to kind of kind of delve into what your thought on on how those uh, those contrasts are? Yeah, man. Well, I can I can totally relate to what you're saying there. And there's no question that there's an ideological bias in terms of the policies and also the way the policies are applied. And um, look, I, I don't think I, I generally don't think that look platforms can do what they want um, in, from a legal perspective. But I think that they just should be very clear and objective and fair. It's like, you know, there's nothing wrong with having rules on your website. But if you're going to have rules and you're going to have guidelines, they need to be very um, they need to be very transparent and very clear and very objective. And they need to be applied fairly. If you say, OK, we're not allowing people to threaten violence towards one another, then it's like, OK, you need to apply that that fairly across the board. You can't just apply it to the people who you don't like. And then when the people who you, you know, you ideologically align with 
are quite literally sending death threats to people or doxing people, you let that slide. Like that's not cool. Um, if you're going to, you can't just, unless you literally have a clear policy saying that, you know, okay, dude is not allowed to be set on this platform, then you can't just kick someone off the platform for saying, okay, dude, which, which by nobody's viewpoint is remotely offensive in any kind of way. Like it's not right. right? It, it, like that, that it's, the thing with my one, I think it caused such a stir because it was so egregious. You know what I mean? It's just like, wait, what? You know, like when I tell the story to people, they almost think that I'm I'm hiding something and that like <laughs> I actually I actually did something else and I'm using that as cover because it just right. sounds that ridiculous. You know what I mean? They're like, no, come on, they can't ban you for saying, okay, dude, that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, well, that's literally what happened. I can, I've, I can show you the emails that they sent me. Um, yeah, that one can't even be remotely construed as a dog whistle or no. <laughs> an insult or no. Literally. So, yeah. so do you think then that it is maybe actually intentionally planned that they keep the the quote unquote guidelines so vague to certain degrees? You know, because I mean, you like you said, you have to you you okay, dude, that gets you, and then you call. For instance, I, I saw a uh, now I think this was on Instagram though, but I saw where uh, Snoop said you know had a kind of like a meme thing and. It was a uh, in, instead of the Brady Bunch, it was the you know the Coon Bunch, you know, and yeah, it had Candace, and it's like you know what I'm saying. Like, I don't think he's gone offensive, but you would think that you know. But then you say something to him about maybe like uh, that he did this to certain ladies back in the day or so on and so forth. It's like, oh well, you get slapped with this label, and then all of a sudden they take you off because he gets enough people to complain against you. And it seems though, well, there's legitimacy in numbers, so therefore you're the one that did, did ill. And it's just, I mean, yeah. it seems as though there's such such a vagueness to their rules, and it's 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 in, uh, intentional. Yeah, no, and I believe so. I mean, they have certain policies which are quite literally ideologically biased. So, I mean, the most obvious example would be the the whole misgendering policy, right? Because their policy is based on a very, it's based not not even just a, it, it's actually, their policy is actually based on a minority position too, which is this whole gender I ideology idea that someone is whatever gender that they say they are and that people must use by force, must use certain pronouns to describe that person. And so their policy about not being allowed to misgender people is totally based on this ideology because if I am, okay, being real here, not trolling, I am a man, right? So I know I've identified as a woman before, but let's say that I was adamant about the fact that I am a woman and I must be referred to by she and her pronouns, right? right. So now someone who's talking about Zuby on Twitter who says he is now violating Twitter's policy. Right. Do you see what I mean? But right. in most people's view, by calling me a she, that would be the actual misgendering, right? Because they're like, no, Zuby's biologically male, so I'm going to call him a he. And so Twitter in this situation has taken an ideological position. Do you see what I mean? They haven't taken a neutral position. It's an ideological position because what someone considers misgendering depends on someone's ideology, right? right. Some, people, some people think that calling um, Caitlyn Jenner a she – is misgendering, whereas other people think that calling Caitlyn Jenner um, a he is misgendering. So one person is going with the biological reality and the facts of birth and most of the person's history. The other person is going with what they 
currently refer to themselves as and what society has somewhat deemed to be politically correct. But that's an ideological position. Just like if they had rules on um, – it would be the same as if uh, – I don't know. If I made a social media platform and I said, okay, you may not – you may not criticize, you may not um, blas- you, may, you may not commit blasphemy in the Christian sense, right? So you can't use certain terms, you can't use uh, God's name in vain, you can't say anything bad about Jesus, etc. Then that's not a neutral policy. You see what I mean? It's like that's not neutral, especially if I l- allowed criticism of other religions or blasphemy by other religions, right? That would not be a neutral policy. That's me putting my ideology into the rules. You could just say, okay, we're not going to allow anybody to be critical or whatever or blaspheme against any religions out there, which would be um, you know, very difficult to, to work out exactly how you do it. Or you say, okay, well, we're going to just, you know, people can't threaten, threaten each other, but you can say whatever you want about any ideology and we're not going to come after you or kick you off for that. But like I said, yeah, in Twitter and some of these other platforms, they, they've sort of firmly planted their flag on one side of the ideological debate. And that's where I think you've, you've clearly got a problem in my mind. Yeah. It's, it's weird how the science in, in real life, the science is apparently settled when it comes to certain things. And then you get online all of a sudden, you know, things that like, okay, biological male, biological female. Oh no, the science isn't settled on that. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you just, there's, there's such a, a, a swaying in terms of, you know, the pendulum swing in terms, like, mm-hmm. again, that, that's why I think that, you know, it's at least for me, you know, when, when, cause I mean, there was a time in my life when, you know, yeah, I was a little bit more, okay, well, quote unquote, open-minded in the sense that, well, you know what, hey, yeah, I could be a Democrat, whatever, you know, but then when I looked at the things that, that, you know, that, that really appealed to me more in terms of, my beliefs, I found myself, you know, kind of meandering a lot more to the center. And even mm. when in the center, you know, I remember I was in college, I had a and saying that, you know, it's like, it's not for me to them, they, 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 they feign compassion and so on and so forth. But to me, I believe that it's, 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 it's a lot more to do with power, being able to lord over you and say, you know what, if you're not meandering in the direction that I want you to go, that's it, you're done, you're dead to me. You know, yeah. but they will sit here and, and and exhaust, you know, themselves into 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 fervor, saying that oh, we're, I'm so tolerant, I'm so mm-hmm. accepting, I'm I'm the ideal individual. Yeah, cakes and uh, the hypocrisies and and the different kind of ideological kind of sways and turns is kind of you know part of the thing for me that that you know solidify the fact that you know pe- individuals that think and believe this certain way, um, it's just. It's it's just not my cup of tea, so yeah, um, yeah, and um, it, and it, re- it reveals a lot. You know, we live in a time where a lot of people think that. How would I put it? A lot of people think that if they have certain political views, that they can just kind of get away with being, you know, they think that the political views are enough to make them a good person. <laughs> right? right? You see what I mean? Right. And to, sh- right. And, to sh- and to shield them from being any kind of bigot or hypocrite or whatever, whereas in fact, a lot of times the people who are most, you know, like emphatic about some of these things, right, the people who go go the hardest about how they're anti-racist tend to be pretty racist, right? Yeah. The people who go hardest about being 
feminists tend to be pretty sexist in many cases. The people who go hardest about, you know, social justice or racial justice and all these things, right? Once you scratch a little bit beneath the surface or you simply disagree with them, you know, you see how quickly you see what they really think. You see what they really feel about you. And, um, you know, that's something I've been privy to for a long time because my views don't necessarily align with a lot of these type of people. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same thing as you said that like that meme Snoop posted up. Right. I mean, look, there are lots of people I disagree with. Right. I mean, I, I if I were I'm not an American, but if I were, I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't vote for the Democratic Party. But you know what? I would never dream of putting together um, like a bunch of. I don't know, fellow black people who just think differently to me and calling them by these disparaging names or calling them, you know, coons or all. it's just like, no, why, you know what I mean? And it's like, and, and it's amazing yeah. that people think that that's okay in one direction. Whereas if it were to happen in the other one, I think it would be very, very clear and very, very obvious, um, you know, what that is. And it, it would show that you're not being tolerant and you're not promoting diversity and you're not willing to, speak and you're not kind and you're not compassionate, all these things that people claim to be and make a big deal about, you know, they pay lip service to them. But in reality, are you are you really being that? Are you practicing that? And and a lot of times the answer is no. And we live in this time again where people um I tweeted something along these lines the other day where um people who are bullies pretend to be the bullied. Right? So you've got a lot right. of people who are actually bullying people, right? What your professor did there what that story you told me that's your professor being a bully but then that'll be the kind of person who wants to sort of play the victim card and pretend that oh you know it's the society it's the system that's against me but then as soon as you can kind of put that on someone else and force your ideology or position of power on someone else then you you know you're playing the bully in reality and um it's just something that, that seems to be happening a lot well, I'll tell you what, gentlemen, I could do this all evening. This is a really interesting <laughs> conversation. So, Zuby, I think uh, we have to just get you on record saying that maybe you'll come back sometime and continue this because we have already kept you way longer than promised. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's all good. It's been a good conversation. I did hear you say, once again, if you move to the United States. So I will tell you, I will not rest. If that's going to happen, dude, I will I, not rest until I, I, continue, I, I, I saw... convince you to come to Florida. No, a dude, no, Louisiana, bro. Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> Look, no, hey, yeah, I saw that tweet, and I was like, okay, wow, that's awesome, man. Hey, dude, hey, bro, make it happen, bro. You know what I'm saying? Look, I, I, I get that, you know, things are kind of tumultuous right now and so on and so forth, but I think that ultimately, be, again, being someone like you, you've been – through many cultures, I have too. I mean, to me, what it boils down to, America's where it's at, man. This is home. And I'm telling you, man, being here, there's nothing like it. So if you do decide to make that move, dude, come on down, man. I mean, hey, look, you know what? We would gladly settle for the fact that maybe you don't move to our varying states. But, dude, <laughs> just having you around, being able to, you know, kind of maybe meet up with you one day or just kind of having – regular dialogue with you, man. I mean, that would be awesome, man. It's, uh, hey, I say do it, bro. I'm yeah, for man. it. Awesome, man. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And furthermore, come to Florida. So by the way, <laughs> sir, where, <laughs> where can you, uh, where would you like to direct people to find your work? We'll make sure we get you a, a plug before you go. Yeah, sure. So, um, zubimusic.com is where you can find everything and you can find, uh, me on all social media, Definitely follow me on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Zuby Music, Z-U-B-Y Music. Perfect. Thank you so Perfect. much. We really appreciate your generosity with your time. This was really interesting, enlightening, and fun. Hope you'll come back. You're welcome.
All right, man. Have a great rest of the day, dude. Take care. Later. When you change your floor, it changes the whole room. Right now, save more on the floor of your dreams from LL Flooring. Save up to $500 on top of our already low prices. With a purchase of $1,500 or more, you'll receive a digital Visa gift card rebate. Visit llcashback.com for details. Choose from our selection of quality floors and get special financing. Lumber Liquidators is now LL Flooring. These are the floors homes are built on. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.